Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is multi-award-winning actress Connie Chiume, whose career has spanned four decades across film, TV, and theatre, both locally and internationally. Welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much. Uh, thank you for having me. It's really an honour. Ms. Chume, you have had an extensive acting career. Some of your film credits include Black Panther, Lerato, I Dreamed of Africa... And you've acted in household TV soapies like Rhythm City, Soul City, Gomorrah. And some of your theater roles include You Strike the Woman, You Strike the Rock, Little Shop of Horrors, and many more. And during the process, you've won a Golden Horn Award. You've won South African Film and Television Awards for Best South African Actress and an Avanti Award for Best Actress. Firstly, how did you discover your passion for performance arts? You know, I've I've always known as a child that I'm 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 carved and wired for show business. But when I was growing up, I always thought that I was gonna be a singer. But you know, during those days, we used to be so discouraged to to do that. But I remember I used to have a place at home where I would stand on that bed and, <laughs> and sing. Um, during those days, uh, Britain, you know, England was was big. So I always told my parents that, you know, my one day I will go to England. Um, yeah, but uh, it didn't start that way. I had to try other careers before I uh, ultimately did what I thought I, I was brought on this earth to do, which is uh, showbiz. And what were some of those other careers? When I when I finished my high school, I went to Tembisa Hospital to go and do nursing. Um, from Velcom, where I come from, to Tembisa, came and tried to do nursing. I was there for two years. Then I became pregnant, and during those those days, uh, they were very 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 strict. Once you get pregnant, you were not admitted again. So that's how I lost out into being a nurse. But, you know, even during my nursing days there as a trainee, um, I used to entertain nurses during the concerts and all of that. Then after I had my baby, I went to Wilberforce uh, teacher training where I did my training. Instead of two years, I was promoted and I did it in one year. So I came back from there to come and teach in Soweto, in a school called Leratong. That was in 1976. And uh, 76, we all know what happened in Soweto during the Soweto uprisings. That's when the uprising started. Were you there? Yes, yes, yes. I was a new teacher in Soweto. So we used to go to school, and but there was nothing. Nothing was happening. We are just coming in and out. You know, and then in 1977, as we were just sitting idling there as teachers, I saw an article from a newspaper that they were looking for, dancers, actors, and and musicians. So there I went to that audition, and that's how my show business life started. 
This reminds me, we had a, a conversation with the, the former president of Mauritius, Amina Karib Fakim, and she said there was like the, the first act, then the second act, then the third act. So you were a nurse, you were a teacher, and now you, yes. and, and then you found the opportunity to go and live out your ambition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's how it all started. And the show that I did, my very first show that I did was called Sola Sola. But we didn't perform here in South Africa. We just uh, rehearsed. And then we went to Israel. And then we went to Greece. That's where the whole thing starts now, on stage. So you did your audition to get into acting. And you didn't start acting in South Africa straight away. You went overseas to Israel and Greece. That's Mm. amazing. Yes, yes. Yes, and it was my very first audition. I didn't even know what an audition is. But I remember, you know, I was so naive. And I think my being naive helped me. Because when I got there, they told me that, you know, we are going to have a short list of people. And then you are also in the short list. And then we're going to call you later on and tell you to come back to re-audition. And I was just, you know, brave enough to say, guys, you know, you have to tell me now because I'm a teacher. I can't come in here in and out, in and out. So I think my being naive really helped me because I was cast on the spot. Well, congratulations. That's <laughs> amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Having walked through this journey over the years, take us through some of the milestones in your career. I think uh, one of the milestones is the very one of me being a teacher, someone who has never been on stage, to be cast in a show that was going to be international amongst the likes of Abusit Candy Klassen, who were already household names in South Africa. I would say my debut show was one of those milestones. And I had only then, I had only traveled as far as Malawi. Let, let me say Southern Africa. I had not traveled outside Africa. And for the first time, I managed to go and see uh, the world outside Africa during the days of apartheid, where for the first time I tasted what freedom is outside my country. Because at that time in 1977, apartheid was still the thing in my country. So for the first time, I'm traveling over there and now I'm free I can go wherever I want I can eat where I want I can go and dance where I want I think that was one of the greatest milestones uh, for me um how did being a South African citizen but not being able to enjoy the freedoms that every citizen should but you managed to enjoy those elements by going overseas how did that make you feel you know, it makes it, it made me feel more sad and angrier that, you know, I was, I was free in a country which was not mine, in countries which were not mine. And in my own country, um, I'm restricted to do what I want to go, where I want to go. I'm restricted as to what kind of education I should get, where I should stay. You know, it was really heartbreaking to come back, to come back to the same, to the same system. Having lived through apartheid, having lived through the changes to be in a country that now is a democratic country, do you feel that we're in the right place to one that you would have imagined all those years ago? You know, um, I think, yes, we have moved a bit. 
but I think there's still a lot, a lot to be done, not just in the creative industry, but uh, in the country as a whole, whether it's education, whether it's health, whether it's um, the very freedom of women and women being given the same opportunities. Like right now, we know that we have a very, very high gender-based uh, violence in our country. We still have a long, long, long way to go. And I, I feel like the spirit of activism, as compared to how it was like in the early 70s until until then, just before 1994, I feel like the, the, that, that, that spirit of activism, of being brave, of being selfless, you know, of sacrificing for things that you, you believe in, I think that spirit has diminished somehow. In the spirit of activism, how do you feel about campaigns like the Me Too movement, the Am I Next movement in relation to gender-based violence and how to drive change that is positive for women? I think that those are very necessary movements. Uh, As women, we must make sure that we unite and we make our voices ahead. And because after after those uh, movements, a lot of culprits were identified, and if they are dealt with, especially the very people who have power, uh, financial power or whatever power, if they are dealt with, so I think somehow it will it will make things better for for us as women in whatever careers that we are, not just like I said, not just in the film and the and the creative industries, but under general. You're so right. And obviously those movements did, well, not um, Am I Next, but Me Too movement was started, I would say, out of the entertainment industry. But yes, it was. we mm. can't be naive that those practices don't exist in other industries. Yes, exactly. I always have a challenge, though, that when movements start, we talk about social media. We talk about all of these platforms that make things accessible, that we can spread stories, we can talk about things. But I'm always concerned that perhaps some of them get lost in the noise and the next big idea comes mm. up before we've actually addressed the, the core topic. Mm. Exactly. You know, there's, there's always a noise about everything, but it depends after the noise what happens is their action. Like I say, I, I feel like that spirit of activism, of, of standing up for our beliefs, for our rights, I feel like we are so much uh, concerned with ourselves, you know, or with self, rather than concerned with with uh, communities, uh, with the world, with people that you, people that are live around you. We are more at looking at ourselves as people, as individuals, than you know, coming together and saying, you know what. We have been talking, now let's see what, what the action is. There isn't really action, and I, I don't have the answers right now. I don't know how we can make ourselves, you know, to stand up again and really fight and, and face the realities the way we are supposed to. Because we, we post on Facebook, we post on all these social media things, we make a lot of noise, and after that, after a few weeks or so, it's all quiet. You're right. It is all about being able to drive the action. I think that we have enough awareness has been created about the issue, but now the time is about really driving for concrete change. 
the media industry as a as a whole is is something which for me is very very powerful in terms of the way that women are portrayed and i wanted to ask you does that influence some of the choices you make with the the characters that you play or opportunities that you take up you know uh here in africa we 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 have a um, a challenge of, of of stories. Most of the stories that we portray are unfortunately written by men. But I'm glad that we have a crop of young artists, young writers, young filmmakers, especially female, that are coming up now. So sometimes it's very difficult because we are freelancers. You know, we are not uh, permanently employed anywhere. You know, you are as good as your last job. So we don't have a big choice of choosing what kind of roles you want to choose, you want to portray. And if you do that, you stand the risk of not working for a very, very long time. So we do have that challenge. But um, I have, you know, tried to to choose the roles, the roles that I play. Though I would say, honestly speaking, we don't really have much much choice because you're looking at yourself you're looking at your situation financial situation you're looking at your responsibilities at home so sometimes it doesn't give you that big choice and our our industry is not as big as the industries maybe in the united states or britain or elsewhere so sometimes what's on the table is what on the table either you take it or you don't and if you don't what next who's going to pay your bond who's going to look after your kids, you know. We are in that kind of situation here in this uh, continent. And I think that's a fact that people either don't know or or forget that you are in this industry as a freelancer. How do you cope with that that type of, of aspect? Because unless you've got a, for instance, if you're on a TV soapy, then you've almost got a more guarantees than if you are, say, pursuing a, a theater role because our runs are much, much shorter than, you know, London's mm. West End or Broadway in America. Runs go for a, a couple of months at, at the best of yeah. times. I mean, in the States, even their soaps, you can you can think of uh, all my children and all, uh, all the other soaps. Some of the kids started there when they were seven. They're adults now and they're still 18. That's why I'm saying, you know, um, our industries here in, in our continent, they're not as big. And I don't know whether we don't have enough support from our governments, from our corporates. Uh, the countries that you are mentioning now, almost 40 to 50 percent of the GDP comes from the creative industries, something which our continent or people who lead us have not yet recognized. But coming back to your question I must say it has been very, very uh, difficult. You end up having to do everything, you know. Um, like you say, some people just stay in theater, they specialize in theater. In South Africa, it's very difficult for you to can say, no, me, I'm strictly theater. Me, I'm strictly film. I'm strictly TV. You have to be versatile and do whatever you can, you know, um, and, and uh, on the side, try and also run some workshops, uh, do some emceeing there, program directing. You know, there are a lot of things in between that you have to think of doing because if you're just looking at 
I'm a TV expert. You are going to stay for a long, long time without a job. So you have to be as creative as possible to, to keep up. You know, the, I must confess that there have been times where it was really, really, really dry. Then you are in a very, very, very bad situation. But yeah, it's, it's that kind of life. I don't know. People ask me that question all the time. I don't have a solid answer to say, okay, this is what I did. I have tried to do everything, everything. Like you said, it keeps you versatile. It keeps you flexible. And I would mm. say you've probably got fantastic insight into into the entire value chain of logistics yeah. and what happens uh, on all facets of your industry. Staying with yes. the industry dynamic and also in terms of opportunities, you were in Black Panther, which grossed yes. 1.35 billion US dollars in the box office. That's a phenomenal mm. success. How yeah. do you navigate between local South African roles and going off to film massive Hollywood hits? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I have an agent that uh, represents me, may her soul rest in peace, Munin Lee. She's the one that I've been working with for, for many, many, many years. And yes, I have managed to do quite a couple of international movies. I have done our local movies, TV work and all of that. So Black Panther also came the same way through her, where I went to an audition, not, not, not even knowing that I'm auditioning for Black Panther. I was told the show, the film is called Motherland. So when I went there, I just did my best, you know, and there were men auditioning for the same role that I was auditioning for. So I was like, wow, what, what's happening? And they said, no, these people don't mind if it's a man or woman, whoever is best or whoever they choose to take, that's the one. So I have not had a, a, a problem or a challenge because that was not my first international movie. Though it was the first to be shot in America. Most of the international movies that I did, I try, I did them here at home. So when I went there, I went with all the confidence, you know, that, you know, I was chosen amongst many because they looked for this character around the diaspora and they chose me. And I said, you know what, if it's God's time, it's God's time because it doesn't necessarily mean that I was the best out of all those people. I'm sure there were many other good actresses, but it just happened to fall into my hands. That's an amazing achievement of being in such a big blockbuster and standing out as an individual above men and above women because they were seeking your talent for that particular part. Hi, this is Lyra, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to multi-award winning actress Connie Chume. We would love to hear your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. You've been in the industry for a very long time. As a woman, 
What would you say have been some of the gender challenges that you've experienced? I think the gender challenges are the ones that I articulated briefly about. Um, it's still a male-dominated uh, industry. Um, producers, directors, you know, every uh, executive position is still held by men. So um, sometimes things, the way we are portrayed, the way it's written, the way it's directed, it's directed and written according to the mind of a man, and not exactly how, probably how a woman could have seen the character or could have wanted the character to be portrayed. So, yeah, those are still the challenges that we have in the industry. I'm not sure if they get paid more than us because we don't talk about, <laughs> we don't talk, talk about our fees that much. Um, yeah, I think so. And like right now, we do have women that are sound people that are the directors of uh, photography and all of that. Gradually, things are getting better. Our kids are going to school, so they are well equipped. They know what they are doing. We have young people, writers. We have young people, especially women, who are directors, who are producing now. So, you know, it's a constant battle that we hope ultimately uh, as women we're going, to, we're going to win it. And what would be your advice to young women who want to follow in your footsteps and pursue an acting career or another career within the facet of the entertainment industry, whether that is directing or producing? Mm. You know, I like what you just said. You said directing or producing. You know, uh, our, our our kids seem to be focusing more on uh, in front of the camera people, which is actors and actresses. And they are not aware of how many careers are behind for me, I would advise that, you know, if, if you're attracted to this uh, uh, industry, maybe just do a little bit of research, you know, talk to people that are in the industry, find out what is it all about, what's needed, and go equip yourself, go to school, so that you can be able to create your own jobs, not to be waiting to be called all the time. Um, there are so many other things that you could, that, that they could do, at a, you know, behind the camera. It's not just about in front of the camera. And if you are coming to the industry because you want to be famous, then that's not for you. You must be driven by the passion that's inside your heart, something that ba- that's burning you inside to say, you know what, every day when you wake up, you feel like this is what I want to do. Not because your friend is doing it, not because you want to be famous, you want to see yourself on the screen. Do it because you want... Uh, 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 you are passionate about it and like any other industry don't be in a hurry to be a so-called celebrities like today you know people are called celebrities and our kids are just attracted by you know things like that you can see from the social media how how people want to be seen it's not a very easy it's an interesting and very nice uh, industry but it also has a lot of challenges. So that's why I'm saying they must do a little bit of research and get a good education into the industry that they're they're getting into. I think that is very sound advice, and I think that those tips would be widely applicable to a person pursuing any industry, is is really getting to know what you're getting into and what the myriad of opportunities there are. Yes. 
Earlier, you mentioned something which I thought was very important, that the perspective of stories that are being written in our continent in particular tend to be written by men. And Mm. thinking about that and thinking about one of the pieces of research I came across at the Gina Davis Institute on gender media, whose payoff line is, if she can see it, she can be it. And Mm -hmm. I think that hearing what you said and bearing reflection on this particular statement, that there tends to be different ways in which men and women are portrayed. And one of the studies that were undertaken by the Institute took 5,000 speaking roles in 122 family movies and identified that only 30% of those speaking roles were female. So 70% of the voices and the stories that were being heard were men. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. do you feel that we can change that? Is it about having more female writers, more female directors, and being able to feminize the industry more effectively? Yes. There's no other way. It's for us to be able to stand up, to tell our own stories, to be directed by us, because I don't think that um, men actually really, really, really know us. So as soon as we can have our own writers, which are women, portraying us in the way that we are, the way that we want, then things are going to be better. The whole world is just dominated by men. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter which industry you're talking about. We are still dominated. So um, it's a process uh, which also needs us also to, 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 to change uh, our minds to to realign our mind, our minds and as as Ayanda Boroto puts it she says unbecoming to become unlearning to learn to unlearn that we can't be uh, depending on men to do things for us like you said if they see it they can do it there is nothing difficult in us there are so many stories that we have but we are not sitting down to write those stories. It's a it's a it's a it's a long process. But if we we can start from A, I'm sure there is a Z somewhere where we, we will get to. It almost sounds as though we should create women's unions or women's clubs, which can help with those networking effects and be able to drive activism as a collective and not just have these periodic spurts where where individuals work. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what we're saying at the beginning, that, you know, most of the time we we, we stand up at that time when something has happened and we all make noise, make noise, and after that we are quiet. Mm -hmm. And if we are serious about it in our little uh, countries or corners or wherever we are, if we can do this as a collective, wherever you are, it will make a difference. We have to come together as women. We start maybe small and, and grow bigger to, towards other countries because it's a common it's a common thing amongst women all over the world. We are facing the same challenges. You're so right. Ms. Chiome, one of the questions that I ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields of expertise is about some of the factors they consider have contributed to the success. 
whether it is a particular person in their life or the aspect of hard work, uh, perseverance. Can you tell us, in your opinion, what would you say have been some of your key drivers? Uh, I would say it's passion. Because if, if you don't have that passion, you definitely are not going to have that uh, hard-working spirit or that perseverance. So something has got to burn you inside. Something has got to wake you up at night uh, to want to better yourself, to want to work harder, to want to improve yourself. So I would say the passion that I have for the industry that I'm in and the work that I'm doing is the one that has sustained me up to, up to where I am now. The love of my craft. Passion is so important. Uh, and I think, as you said, you know, four decades in and that passion has been paramount for you to get to where you are today. Yes. Thinking back along your life, and I know that we, we spoke about some of your previous careers in the conversation earlier on. Please tell us about some of the pivotal moments growing up for you. What, what influenced you and what made you become the person you are today? I think maybe the family that I was brought in, uh, I had, uh, we're a family, okay, my mom, my dad, and then we, uh, they, they had five, I mean, nine children, and I was the fifth one. I saw, I saw how my father used to wake up. My father was a policeman. My mother was a domestic worker. I saw how they worked so hard to, you know, to be able to, to look after us, you know. I don't remember a day when, when I went to bed without without food. Um, we're not rich. We're struggling like everybody else during those days. As, as you know, it was the days of apartheid. But yeah, my mother had a spirit uh, of a very, very strong woman. She, she tried her best for us to have... Um, education, you know, they looked after us. So yeah, I remember those days as, as as my the beginning of my life. And then there were also people in Velcom who were also my role models. Uh, during those days the only role models we saw were business people, were nurses and lawyers. <laughs> because during those days in South Africa black people were not allowed to do some of the um uh, professions, you could only be a teacher, you could only be a nurse, you could only be a doctor or a lawyer. That's it. So I had those role models that I used to see. Then there was Gibson Kenter. Gibson Kenter was a playwright, a township playwright, who used to come to Velcom to bring shows. They, 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 they were performing in Velcom in stages. Okay, I was young. We're not allowed to go to the to the shows to go and watch the show. But uh, from listening to to his music and yeah, I got my inspiration mostly from from the things that I saw around me. You spoke about your mom having this strong, indomitable spirit, and really, I mean, to have nine children to look after, especially as you said, in a period where everybody was struggling and so many limitations were put upon them. Who would you mm. say have been some of the other strong women in your life? As I grew up, I realized that there are also women like Winima Tigizela Mandela, 
I also realized that there were women like Cecily Tyson, the actress from America. I also realized that there are women who are sitting there at the station selling vegetables or whatever, who are educating their kids and they're taking them through universities and all that. So, like I said, I I don't have a particular... I have so many uh, women that have inspired me from my young days up to now as I'm sitting here who give me courage every day to say, you know what, Um, it's not over until it's over. One of the things that I wanted to ask you earlier, and you've just reminded me on this almost uh, amalgamation of strong women and being able to draw on multiple influences and, and help guide your life, is what were some of the most memorable characters that you've played? I think the first one would be uh, Musolo Hadi. Musolo Hadi was a Sisutu drama of a businesswoman whose husband died. You know, there are also still those tendencies in, in Africa where after you've worked hard with your husband, when your husband dies and the, 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 the in-laws, you know, they just want to come and possess your, your staff and they say they belonged to our uh, our son. So this woman, Patani, it was her name, she stood her ground and said, no ways. I have worked so hard with my husband. Where were you? This is what I achieved together with my husband. So you're not taking anything from that. So for me, she was very, a very, very strong woman who fought for her rights. And we know that those practices still happen here in this country. Then another one I could say is um, Stella that I played doing um, Zone 14. Uh, she was a very powerful woman. The only problem with her was that she, she was also <laughs> dealing in drugs. But I like the fact that she went into a male-dominated industry of soccer. And she 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 owned a, a soccer club, a very, very powerful uh, soccer club that she had. It was called uh, Stella Stars. And she had to go, you know, all the way and fight her way through to be able to you know, to own that club. And then I think Mamukit that I also played for nine years in Rhythm City, a, a, a humble woman who who also loved her family, a person who didn't have much, but she, she was very pivotal in helping the community, around the community. She was very active in whatever way the community needed her. Yeah, those are just some of some of the roles that I think um, I was very happy to play together with others, of course. <laughs> They're incredibly diverse. You, from everything you've said, Stella is at one end of the spectrum to um, the character that you played for nine years, being this humble woman. Very, very different. Yeah, yeah. Mamkit was very humble. She was just a, an ordinary woman selling stuff at home, she had a spaza shop, but anything that happens in the community, she would be there for her community. Miss Chiume, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. As we close out the conversation, can you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to young women that are listening to the show? I would say, you know, be proud of who you are. 
you have been created for a purpose and that purpose must come to pass. Don't be afraid of challenges. Challenges are always there. So if you fall, stand up and start walking again. And make sure that whatever you choose to do in life is something that you are passionate about, something that you love. Don't sell yourself for anything. Trust yourself, trust your talent, trust your instincts, and uh, don't look down upon yourself. You are special. You are such a special person. Every one of us is special. You are the queen. So live your kingdom. Don't give up your, your dignity for anything else. Just keep on working until you achieve what you want to achieve. Great words of motivation. And I have a new favorite word, queendom. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. It was quite a pleasure for me too. Thank you so much for the good work that you are doing. I hope we are really planting seeds into many women that are listening here. And like like we say, let it not just be talk shop. Let it have a fruit. Let the seeds that we are planting here have fruit. Yes, indeed. Here's to the future of women and here's to another 40 years of your career. Thank you so, so much. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to multi-award winning actress, Connie Chiume.